This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. I spent a lot of time looking at the footage both of Belize and and in London and it was kind of like a refuge actually it was it was really <laughs> important for me um in a way that it, it probably you know would have been quite different uh, if that hadn't happened um it was just so nice to to look at footage of this other place and also to look at a city that was full of people and normal Come on, sissy there, pod. Let's get sickening. Are you a fan of the Emmy award-winning show RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop? And do you belong in Party City? Well, sissy that pod is the podcast for you. Join me, James, and my co-host, Keen. Is there something on my face? As we chat weekly about the runway realness, sickening shade, and backstage buffoonery. That's right, whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US, UK, or All-Stars. Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play! Hello everybody, you're very welcome back to uh, another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Uh, FNI Rap Chat is the Irish film and TV industry podcast uh, I'm Paul Butler Lennox, if you don't know me, or if you're not sick of me already. Uh, and you're all very welcome to a very special episode in collaboration with the Irish Film Institute, the IFI. Um, as always, our podcast is brought to you by Wildcard Distribution, film equipment store and Octavid. This episode is produced and mixed by Larry McGowan. And if you'd like to support the show or the work that we do, um, you can subscribe on Headstuff Plus or you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. And you can purchase uh, purchases a coffee, two sugars and a drop of milk. Or you can become a member, which is really cool. Uh, and if you become a member, um, you can avail of early tickets um, uh, for events and various different bits that we do over the course of the calendar year. And you can also, if you sign up really quickly, you can join the mentorship scheme, which we have running currently. And we're about to uh, announce. Um, so th- basically, you'll have uh, some small windows uh, of conversation with people working in different disciplines in film and TV, so you can pick their brain um, and they'll check back in with you then a couple of months later and everybody kind of... The lift is sent back down and it's gratefully received. Uh, today, uh, we're joined by an Irish-based documentary uh, filmmaker and activist, uh, Susan Thompson. How you doing? It's lovely to be here in real life as well. Yeah, look at us, yes. like <laughs> occupying the <laughs> same people. space. It's wonderful, yes. isn't it? Uh, as we discuss our uh, feature documentary, Ghost Empire Belize, um, it's a uh, it's part of a trilogy of films exploring the, frankly, unbelievably outdated legacy of uh, the law uh, of British colonial rule um, um, around the world and the criminal uh, the criminalization of LGBTQI. Uh, communities in over 34 countries around the world. Uh, it screens as part of the IFI Documentary Festival this year and we're delighted to have you. Thank you very much. It's uh, lovely to be here. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah, guys, you can visit uh, ifi.ie and you might catch uh, some more of the festival before it ends as this goes out. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you know, you'll agree that in, in this time of like crazy ambiguity and confusion and our you know, kind of new normal, Commas. Uh, we've never needed documentary filmmakers more, I think. 
So um, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about Susan's work, uh, go to susanthompson.co.uk for more info on this trilogy and on Susan and her important work. Uh, Welcome back to Dublin. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. It's lovely and sunny as well at the moment. It's surprisingly warm, isn't it? Yes. It's great out there, yeah. Um, How are you doing? I'm doing well, yes. Yeah. What a year and a half we've had. Uh, indeed, yes. Like an, like an unusual year for, for most people, but um, even, I'm sure, for a documentary filmmaker, it's been a bit crazy. Yeah, it was. Um, it certainly has had its ups and downs. I think that probably uh, back last spring was, I think uh, there was a lot of probably adrenaline and nobody really knew what was going on, but it was also a very interesting moment um, not to sort of uh, downplay all the the. Mm. the the terrible things that were also going on, but but I found it. Um, I've did a lot of activism online with people about the pandemic. Actually, at that time, um, which resulted in a, a film, the Cytokine Storms, a, a different film okay. than we're talking about today. <laughs> actually, but um, it was an Arts Council COVID grant as well. But, oh, wonderful! Um, Tell us a little bit more towards the end yes, and when it'll be available. Will, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's online. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. So, so it's available online now. It is, yeah. Yes. On on your website. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, how excited are you to uh, screen in front of an audience, any audience, of people? Well, it's exciting <laughs> just to be in the cinema. To be quite honest, it's yeah. even more exciting to be seeing my own film. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I haven't really been to the cinema very much in the last uh, year and a half. So oh, it's just yeah. it's it's in, it's in in the nicest way possible. It's it's. Invigorating, right? Just to yes. sit there with an audience and gauge their reactions and see how they, you know, because gasps don't lie, cry, you know, mm. teary eyes don't lie, yes. you know, and God, how we miss that. Yes. I mean, I think it's the only, it's the only two hours kind of safe in mm. the modern world from smartphone interference. Yeah, that's probably now. true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exciting to be showing it at the IFI as well, because it's it's probably the cinema that I've spent most time in in my life, actually. Because um, well, uh, I, I first moved to Dublin in 2000. Okay. So I've just spent many... So you're one of us now. Many, I am literally an Irish <laughs> citizen now as well. Um, so I've just, just spent many, many evenings in the last two decades in the IFI. Hiding in the dark. many films. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, so it's, it's, the IFI it's is wonderful. for me. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. Tell us about your, yeah. your, your kind of, t- well, about you, really. Where are you from? And I'm originally from Glasgow in Scotland. Okay. Um, no, would never so. have guessed. Oh, really? I've still got the accent. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, yeah. I think there or in England people think that I've got an Irish slight lilt, but I don't let's, know. Let's say Celtic. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us a little bit uh, about kind of your journey um, as a youngin into film and art and how they correlate and how you've kind of, how it influ- how um, mm-hmm. film in particular might have influenced you uh, as as a kid. Yeah, um, I think I did probably more theatre as a kid actually than anything else. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I, it was, I studied literature at university. Then after that, like um, French and German literature. So wow. that's it. Was only after that really that I got into sort of visual art more, um, kind of drawing. When I, I went travelling for a year, um, and I got I got kind of I did loads of loads of drawing at that point, um, and I kind of I went back actually and did an MA in art much later. Um, it was like two thousand and seven wow. um, in IDT and. That was, I've, I mean, I was doing some live art before that. Um, mm-hmm. When I first came to Dublin, sort of in 2000, um, I was doing 
performance workshops and I think that made me grow out of the theatre and I, did, I also did a lot of writing um, before that and uh, I did some live art that got into the National Review of Live Art and so I did I did sort of kind of I think my piece was called Stand Up Tragedy actually at that time <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't particularly it was sort of more of a, a lyrical um, kind of semi-autobiographical piece spoken that, word that, piece yeah mm -hmm. kind of a spoken word piece that had some visual elements um, and then and various props and, and things like that and, and I did sort of various other live art pieces then after that um, and really enjoyed it, but I found it very nerve-wracking. And I think yeah. I think eventually I kind of wanted to do something slightly less nerve-wracking, but I still wanted to do all the art. Yeah, um, yeah. All the good so, stuff, leave all the, all the, yeah, the, the face, I mean, facing people. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I began doing more video art, really. Um, the pressure is a little bit more off me then. And, um, and yeah, that I think doing the ME was helpful in, in kind of probably taking taking things a bit further into into kind of film really after the that I I applied to the arts council for a, a grant for a film called Fire Practice Theatre okay. um which I then made um with a crew actually of about 14 people it was quite I mean it's subsequently I've kind of gone a bit more sort of solo in the sense of going off with the camera to, mm -hmm. to various places but but that film was made with a a crew and then um, it was about firefighters uh, kind of rehearsing or practicing on the the, the, the tower that you see in a, a fire station, and <laughs> and it had actors playing firefighters and real firefighters. And there's a there's a repetitive um, dialogue where it becomes this sort of strange dream or almost like a traumatic memory or something. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, that was back in um, 2009, I think it was. Um, yeah, and uh, I think I've been doing sort of more film work since then. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the sort of ghost empire came sort of shortly after that. It um, seems to have preoccupied a lot of your time over the last. It certainly has, years. yeah. I think in I'm, a really positive yeah, way, well, an obsession. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, I probably didn't realise that. I've been reflecting quite a lot in the last few weeks about about it because it's it's literally now ten years. I've been. I mean, I haven't been doing it all the time, of course. But yeah. I, and I've done some other things too. But but um, but it is ten years that it has been there. Um, that I've been. I've Produced the the film on Northern Cyprus on mm -hmm. the Turkey, Turkish occupied north of Cyprus and the there was a legal challenge to the European Court of Human Rights there that was successful and and then another film about Singapore and constitutional challenges there and then this film on Belize and but a lot of other interviews and and other activism as well and and writing and various. How things. many hard drives do you have? I have a many many. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yes. Um, may I say that you're yeah. doing great work, like thank you so much, like important work. Um, thank you. Not that any any documentary project is of lesser value, more or you know intrinsically more value than any other project. But you feel as if um, number one that you care a great deal about your subjects, but uh, your subject matter and your, you know the subjects and 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 protagonists within your 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 stories, but also. Um, it seems to m these personal stories seem to really move you mm. um, to the point where it kind of won't let you go. Am I right in saying that? And in a, in a really positive way, you, you know, there's more work to be done. So I'm going to go back to that. Yes. Uh -huh. I think maybe I've only started to realise that as well, maybe mm. in the last even the last just few weeks, actually. 
Um, yeah, we had some very sad news in the last week. Um, Caleb's sister, who's in the film, passed away. She was oh. she was ill and she's been ill for for a number of years. But um, but I, yeah, I find myself making a like a, a kind of almost a spin off film for Caleb, like called Golda, which is um, is her oh, name. Wow. Um, so it's. Uh, at the moment, it's a about... spoil, little spoiler alert, but Caleb's sister was quite ill and um, um, was quite literally put her own pain at times to mm. one side in order to support her brother and 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 his cause and th- their cause uh, and the subject of the of the documentary. Um, I mean, what an, an incredible figure! Yeah, yeah. Caleb on social media called her like the unsung hero of the the case, and I I think that's it's true. Um, um, I've said to him I'll dedicate the screening this evening to okay. her. Um, but just what you're saying about about sort of being uh, moved personally by it all, I think I think it's almost like a slow a slow burn. You become more and more involved um, in the process. And I think, yeah, the issues and the people become more and more important. Um, but the connections you make um, along the way mm-hmm. um, are are very important. Yeah. May I ask you how how did you come to know of Belize? How did you meet Caleb? How did that kind of all come about? And when was the kind of you know? Okay, I'm going to do this point. Yeah, so I, I was working on Singapore and Cyprus sort of simultaneously in a way. Mm-hmm. I began Singapore a little bit earlier, um, and I was aware of the Belize case, but I was I wasn't entirely sure whether to do it or not. I wanted to do another film, but I I just hadn't decided. I I think I found it a little intimidating just the <laughs> the the. the the evangelicals and the violence that I was reading about, I just, I thought, I'm not sure um, whether I want to do this or not. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Did I just, you feel as if you might be in danger? Or? Yeah. Um, so I think that was part of it. That wasn't the entire reason. I need I need always a, some kind of hook to, to mm-hmm. that's even beyond the the law itself. Um, with, with Cyprus, I just was very, very interested in the geopolitics of, of Cyprus, actually, and the partition and, and all of that. Um mm. And Singapore, I was really interested in the the pink dot actually, as well as there are other colonial legacies there as well. Like um, they they still use some of the sedition laws or detention without trial and things to against opponents, basic political opponents. So there's I was interested in other colonial legacies too. But um, so I was kind of looking for a, a hook really. But um, I think I started to think about the slavery as well and and Scotland's um particulars. Involvement in slavery, is, which has only really been talked about in the last uh, five to ten years, I'd say. Mm. Um, so I was thinking more about that. But um, so I, I, I knew about the case, and people had talked to me about the case. Um, one of the NGOs, the, the Human Dignity Trust, I'd I'd talked to about it, and because they were they were one of the parties to the case, mm-hmm. um, and the former head of of the organisation, Jonathan Cooper. Who also very suddenly, sadly, died this oh. week. Um, so I'm actually I've been quite um, <laughs> emotional, shall we say, this week. Um, we could have rescheduled. No, no, it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> oh God. 
he he invited me to this very glamorous party in London, uh, but it was a UN like free and equal campaign. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was a house of a politician or something. I don't know. It was overlooking the Thames. It was Par- very fancy anyway. It was it was very, it was very nice. <laughs> I could get used to this. Mm. Yes, and um, but that's where I met Caleb. Yeah, for yeah. the first time, and we we got on well. and We were chatting, and and um, it kind of just. Materialised after that, he was then on a residency at Stonewall for a while, um, a number of months later, and I kind of followed him around a bit. It was still fairly sort of, uh, not tentative. I mean, I was filming him, but I think at that point he wasn't sure whether I was going to actually come to Belize. Mm -hmm. I think he's used to people sort of filming him and then they disappear or whatever. So I think at this point now he's quite impressed with my tenacity, as he put it. <laughs> I'm still around, and I, having I the courage, the, the courage it. of your excuse yeah. upon convictions, you yeah, know, um, yeah. to to follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, just for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about the political history of Belize um, and what you found the experience like shooting there. Um, how long were you there for? Were you going over and back, or did you do it all in no, one? No, I did it all in one go. So I was just—I just came from Mexico because um, I was at a, a film festival in Mexico, and I just—I travelled like across the border, kind of on foot, and and I've got a bus down. So, <laughs> so I did it kind of, yeah, in a fairly sort of basic kind of way. But but it was interesting for getting footage. Um, yeah, I I found it a little bit Belize City. I found a little bit um, intimidating. I it's. Um, yeah, I think I'd read too many reports of like the, the amount of gun crime and 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 mm-hmm. those kinds of things, and people kept telling me stories about people that had been shot, and you know, you, I'd heard all about the number of death threats that Caleb had received, and his lawyer Lisa Schumann had, had received, and um, a lot of rape threats as well. And Jesus so, Christ. I mean, actually, I was totally fine, and I, I I was there some of the time on my own, and you know, filming the Independence Parade and those kinds of things. I mean, it was it was kind of rained off so it wasn't quite as elaborate as it would have normally been but um but I was filming that and I kind of went to the the islands key cocker and those and did all this sort of swimming and diving and those kinds of things for the for the film mm-hmm. um but um Belize is it's slightly different from the other uh, kind of post-colonial countries in that it was very late coming to to decolonization it was like mm-hmm. 1980 and there was been endless disputes over territory with Guatemala, and they're still they're ongoing. So they're still going to the, the international court. Um, there've been referenda ab- about it. So it's an ongoing. It goes it goes way back centuries and centuries. Um, disputes with the Spanish and um, and British, and and I think because because of sort of prior Spanish claims, there's this sort of feeling that some of it should be Spanish mm-hmm. or whatever. So there's still the possibility that they could lose the kind of half of half of the country, but well, I, I don't know how likely that really is. I but, think if, if there was ever a, a scenario that uh, um, encompasses the negative, um, the negative influence of the colonies is the promise that they made about the road. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You, the, know, that, uh-huh. you know, it's like yeah. do what we say, we'll give you this, and then that's agreed upon, and then they disappeared, and then they had to uh, cancel it or counteract that, or, or you know, into, uh, like ten or fifteen years later. Mm. I mean, like even from a basic, you know, 
infrastructure perspective. You yeah. know, these are, these are what people need to get to try to move around. To, you know, mm. so it's uh, I don't know I don't know if it was an issue of control or a conscious decision not to do it or to mm-hmm. backtrack uh, backtrack on on it. But um, it's you know you, it, you mean the road that's currently being built by Taiwan by Taiwan. That I talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So the the criteria for the. The, the treaty wasn't fulfilled by the British, yeah, yeah in terms like, of building the road. Yeah, like promised, give, yeah. give the people what yeah. they need, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so you just remind me of the, I think I saw it in the, the RT programme about the the famine, about the, the roads going to nowhere that were built, you know, that the British made people build or whatever just to get food at that time. I just, mm. there's something very sort of um, potent as a symbol of the idea of a road. Anyway, it's, it's kind of interested me. So there is this footage of a road actually being made in the mm-hmm. film as well. So um, I might um, I might ask you, um, um, what was the hardest? Um, there was a lot of material and I can imagine editing you yeah. know, something like that was not an easy task, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the hardest kind of artistic choice or editing choice in terms of all the material and what was to go in and what wasn't to go in? Well, it's been hard the whole way along, I think, trying to decide and actually and how long to make it and all these questions. Yeah. Um, so I edited an early version with Fernando Duan, the editor, um, back in 2017. So we mm. did some of it and then I shot more more stuff um, in the, over the last few years. Um, and then he's working on other projects. So I've kind of been doing the editing since then. Right. Um, and It is a case of, look, it's as long as it needs to be, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. And break. I felt like the, the case itself was 10 years. So in a sense, you know, you know, if you were going full visual art on it, you could you would make it, <laughs> yeah. you know, at least 10 hours long. So so this is a kind of compromise, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I definitely felt a pressure probably to to make it kind of shorter but in the end I, I decided to leave it with its pace as it is um but yeah um well the the sort of section the kind of more recent section in in london um mm-hmm. in 2020 i i mean i edited that during the pandemic um so it i spent a lot of time looking at the footage both of belize and and in london and it was kind of like a refuge actually it was it was really <laughs> important for me um in a way that it, it probably you know would have been quite different uh, if that hadn't happened um it was just so nice to to look at footage of this other place and also to look at a city that was full of people and normal mm-hmm. um and i just i i i spent a lot of a lot of time and with with some of the music. So Billy Kenrick composed the drone music and I composed all the rest, the kind of more sort of stuff with the beat and the mm-hmm. conch shell stuff at the beginning. And he did the drone music. So I, I spent a lot of time listening to his music and, and working with the editing then um, during the pandemic. So that kind of created an emotional space, I think, for some of the other um, work and then we'd already created this kind of more narrative structure um, previously and then I've kind of fitted the two together and you know shown it to a very select very select few people as well um, along the way and gotten some feedback and so it's it's all very recent though it's it's I've been it's working right up to the wire on are you, this. Yeah, are, you fi- are you finished? <laughs> Tell yes, me you're finished. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, can I ask you just uh, like post COVID, well, yeah. we're not, I don't think we're quite at that point just yet to say that. But how was Belize affected by COVID in the in, in the period between shooting and now? 
yeah, it well, it was really affected by it. Um, yeah, so we've got Caleb wearing a mask at the end. Um, it wasn't it wasn't as affected as badly as you know places in South America, or, mm-hmm. for example. But but it it certainly was affected, and you know, similarly to to other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't know of, of anybody who got it there that I know anyway. That's oh, well, that's film. good. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. not the two that you met, the, no. the, the collaborators mm-hmm. recently. That's great to yeah. hear. Um, did you encounter any 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 intimidation or on set, on set when you were there? Did you, was there any sceptical kind of people trying to intimidate in any way or did you have kind of free reign to kind of go and shoot as as you pleased? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose just, it helps if it was just you as well. Yeah, I mean, if there was, was a crew, there would be more attention. Yeah, right? so um, it was me with a, a regular looking DSLR, you know, mm-hmm. and lenses and that that was pretty much, and sometimes I've even smaller with my little GoPro, uh-huh. you know, so, which I just, I bought for the, the underwater um, sequences, but I ended up using sometimes because it was so almost invisible that, you mm. know, so when I was out with Caleb, for example, I just used the GoPro because it's it's barely visible. Plus yeah. with the fisheye lens, um, you get a, you get a, a more yeah. of an overall sense of the landscape as well and, 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 the, and that yeah. world, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I totally just looked like a tourist, um, um, <laughs> which I think it was intentional, you know, I mean, and, um, yeah, but in terms of people I interviewed, they were really generous and supportive. They all have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've not, I've not had any problems with that. No. What was the, um, what was the biggest, um, influence to start the whole series? What, what was your, um, was it a personal experience or, what 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 um incited the whole project overall? Yeah, I I think both probably. Um, I was involved in this think tank troubling Ireland um, back about eleven years ago. Um, that was with Fire Station Art Studios and some Danish curators, and we were looking at Ireland in general from a post colonial and feminist perspective. And mm-hmm. my research was on LGBTQ. Um, and post-colonial issues and their intersection, and and I I can remember reading this Amnesty International report, which which spoke about the fact that that at the time it was forty two countries that used these British colonial laws to to criminalise LGBT people, and I was just like, okay, there's a there's something in this that there's a there's a, pro- yeah. a project in this, um, so. So that's that's the kind of that's where it began really, and then the Arts Council Visual Art Project Award. Mm-hmm. It was for a, a smaller um, kind of event type film. Um, it, it turned into this instead, but um, but I, I think it does come from personal experience. I mean, I realised that it's. I mean, I grew up under Section Twenty Eight. I mean, I mean, it was well, male kind of to be to be gay was only legalised in Scotland in nineteen eighty. You know, mm-hmm. so. I was five years old then, you know, um, and yeah, so Section 28 was, I mean, well, it wasn't illegal. It was it had a hugely, huge silencing effect on, on everybody. It was banning the promotion of so-called pretended um, family. Um, it's it, uh, banned promotion of, of homosexuality in schools or in councils or anywhere, really. So we didn't, it was it was such a taboo, I think, when I was growing up that, that I see that mirrored in some of these other countries in, in different ways. So it's it's a bit sort of psychogeographical kind of uh, 
filmmaking. I think uh, there's there's something going on that, around that, and um, and it makes it more more meaningful for me as well. There's it feels like something. Quite, it's felt quite vocational, I think, probably as a result mm. of that. So it's in a way, it's turning something that was probably very bad and very harmful for me. I'm sure very damaging in its way, you know. Even though, you know, I'm okay, but that's still yeah, um, into into something productive and positive. I hope. I think that's the the idea, anyway. Mm-hmm. What do you think in Ireland we can do? Um, and obviously we've moved on exponentially in terms mm. of our attitude yeah. towards... Very, very fast yes. social change. Well, sure. it has to happen that way, yeah. right? You know? Well, it doesn't always happen in countries so fast, I don't mm-hmm. think. I, yeah, because I've lived through all the, all of these changes in Ireland. I mean, it was a different country in 2000. From, oh, yeah. From when all the referenda happened that were, you know, on equal marriage or abortion referendum. It's, they were a different kind of... Ireland with a different generation also having grown up at that point because mm-hmm. I remember the the previous abortion referendums where they were trying to make it you know you know like we're seeing in the US trying to make it um, even tighter you know here and I I was quite profoundly shocked by that because it's yeah, yeah it's an unfortunate yeah. kind of circumstance that keeps repeating mm. itself in a cycle of kind of smokescreen politics if you like yeah. you know where they hide yeah. behind laws which they could change but you yeah. know the notion of you know, ostensibly, you know, the idea of putting it to a committee to, mm. uh, you know, slow things down until the attention shifts somewhere else, you know, w- which can often be the case. We should all be very proud of ourselves in this country yeah. for, you know, just some of the actual ticking box changes that mm. that that we that we've influenced. Yeah, our, uh, but it's palpable as well. I, th- I think there is a real. Yeah, well, we all feel empowered sense. and e- and e- yeah. and equal, yeah. and you yeah. know, in the, in the truest sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the word inclusion actually means something mm-hmm. in this country now. Yeah, you know, even in terms of you know gender politics and stuff, and even in in film as well, mm-hmm. things feel like a you know a more. Uh, stable uh, equitable environment yeah I mean I and again that's moving that's moving quite fast as well which is what you have to do in Mm -hmm. terms of the um, Mm 50-50 Screen Ireland um, you know changes recently which is a good thing Uh no I I, when I first came to Dublin I I remember finding it more homophobic you know than and maybe even I was, I mean, I think Britain can be incredibly homophobic, but I'd, I'd just... Well, at least you don't have the stranglehold of the Catholic Church. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so there were there were moments where I felt, you know, a, a bit silenced or just a more more a lack of interest, usually, actually, mm-hmm. in, in the project. Indi- indifference. An indifference. Yeah. Felt, yeah. So it didn't feel, didn't feel that negative, but it certainly didn't feel interested. Yeah. So... I think it's it's very welcome all the kind of the recent change in recent years because um, there's a, like now a flourishing of all of this kind of it's, work. Yeah, all this be, see, yeah. and 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 in fairness, yeah. like young, particularly yeah. young people, millennials in particular. Yeah. Um, sorry to label young people like mm. that, but. Mm have done Trojan work yes, in, in, in terms of developing, uh, yeah. changing attitudes, you know, yeah. and having those conversations with their well, parents they, and grandparents, yeah. you know, which is the most important part. Well, they didn't have Normalize. the legacy of being brought up in the same way, I suppose, as some previous generations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even because yeah. like, I'm a Catholic and, yeah. and and some of the, now I'm, luckily I didn't have some of those yeah. horrendous experiences. Some other people I know, you yeah. know, slightly older generations had. But the, the notion of some of the some of the psychological um, 
kind of torturous doctrines, you know, yeah. about you can only be this way and, and good equals this mm-hmm. and everything else equals bad. And mm-hmm. that idea is ridiculous. Mm. Um, what can what do you think we can do as a country to kind of change um, LGBTQI rights in countries uh, you know, in areas like Belize and, 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 and these other 40, 42, is it 42? Well, it's now, it's 33 or 34 now, Sorry. yeah, depending on what you count as. But um, yeah, it's, uh, well, I mean... Watch the, your film for a start. The, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the, the cases that are, there are now a, a large number of be- cases that are being taken compared to when I started. So there were very few cases. So um, I was... I was looking for countries where cases were being taken. So that narrowed it down a lot. Whereas now, I mean, most of the countries in the Caribbean where it's a criminal offence are now taking cases. Um, There are many, many cases going on. And that's true in general in the world, a lot more. Um, But it's not the only route, obviously. And, you know, and and you're also seeing the converse where, you know, people are starting to impose new laws, like, you know, Mm. whether it's Hungary's kind of version of Section 28 or whether it's, you know, Ghana's proposed. um, Even when you you look at it, like, like Hungary, God, like they... Like even in terms of some of the sports rulings recently, you know, mm. like even when it comes to kind of some of the racist chanting and stuff. And, yes. And yeah. that stuff during the Euros with the with the yeah. flag in the stadium. Um, mm-hmm. Like why, what I don't understand is why they're not imposing stronger sanctions and punishments for these things, you know? Well, there's sort of a bit of a tolerance for kind of Ignorance. populist nationalism and uh, a sort of a kind of a sort of brutish kind of politics that I don't think that was the case sort of pre-Trump era I, I think it's, it's mm. all new um, I mean it's not new it's been here before but it's, it's the old it's, new uh, yes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. The, yeah just the disgusting kind of levels of tolerance but the other side of that is you know I mean people have uh, I suppose a right to, to, to believe in what they want to believe in uh, I mean morally you know um I mean, when we, what what do you do when you know something to be right, but people are flying and standing on the wrong side of history with issues, you know, like um, it just it bothers me, particularly in sports and also, you know, in these circumstances where they're not where they're not punished to the full extent of the law mm. and they should be, you know, um, I suppose activism in, in different ways. Um, the sort of there's the more on the streets, you know, radical activism, whether it's on climate change or LGBTQ or or, or a kind of combination um, mm. or other issues, you know, you see sort of um, you know extinction rebellion or something like that. It's quite radical a- mm. actions, or there's more kind of assimilationist, um, kind of gently trying to sort of you know say to people probably more the way that the referendum campaign was conducted here mm-hmm. actually in some ways um and i think maybe maybe they all have their place maybe they're all necessary in different ways at different times or I think, sometimes at the same time well even with the covid yeah. restrictions and some of mm-hmm. the the um the more recent uh marches and stuff you know mm. where is the intelligent debate like it's almost like everything gets dismissed if it's not if it's not a yeah, where's the decency in these scenarios? Um, um, how do we, um, like, uh, what kind of radical social changes can people make kind of day to day in order to, like, what organisations, for for example, should people be monitoring in, in, in these in these terms? Um, well, in, in terms of these cases around mm. the world, I mean, there's organisations like 
Human Dignity Trust, like Kaleidoscope. They're both based in London. Okay. I mean, there's Belong To here. Um, they do there great many, work. Yeah. yeah. There, there are lots of different organisations that are, I mean, there's uh, Commonwealth Equality Network as well. Um, because, uh, you know, obviously because they're former colonies, it's it's a lot of the Commonwealth really mm-hmm. um, that's criminalising. Very little has been done in terms of any of the Chogham meetings, you know, the Commonwealth Heads of Government mm. meetings. They, it's, I mean, apart from Theresa May's apology back in um, 2018, there's been very little that's that's actually been tabled. And I think the NGOs have found it hard to to get the to get on the kind of agenda. Really, there's just that I don't know. And then Brexit's just made that all worse because that's been the main focus, you know, trade. Not mm. human rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fin- yeah, financial gain as always. Mm. Um, so it screens uh, tonight. If you've missed it, where might people be able to catch it in the future? Well, it's it's on the the AFI at home for uh, this week. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be showing it in Belize, I think next. Um, it's just been shortlisted for a festival in Glasgow, but I've I've still to hear. So it's it's literally just hot off the press. So <laughs> I, I haven't even. A, <laughs> haven't even sent it to very many festivals yet but um but yeah hopefully in due course the other the other films showed all around the world um, yeah tell us from, a little bit about that yeah they, they showed in well in mexico city and they were nominated for best international film there um it's a few years ago and new york and anthology film archives and mumbai and kashish queer international festival and nicosia went the first they had their first pride there i showed it in the the kind of art um museum place and um Glasgow and Edinburgh, the Scottish government and various universities and so lots of lots of different places. Inva, the Stuart Hall Library as well, and so yet yeah, they've they've kind of been around and been discussed a lot. And it's been just great actually going to the different places. That's mm-hmm. been a huge adventure as well um, yeah, yeah. to actually sort of follow them and have great discussions with people like in, in lots of different places. Um, so I'm hopeful that 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 will be the case with this film as well. Yeah, yeah. Open discussions, yeah. open debate. Um, and your new project that you shot recently? Uh, the Sight Against Storms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, that was, well, it was, again, using footage that I'd, that I'd um, taken over the last five years. Um, it was used a lot of demonstration footage from... Everything from kind of water marches here to some of the abortion referendum, a little bit of equal marriage, and also a lot of the Brexit and EU um, uh, marches in in London, and mm-hmm. kind of mixed these together with lockdown footage, and it was about basically looking at the UK government response to the pandemic and oh. com- comparing it to kind of a British colonial response to like various famines that in Ireland and also in India. And this this sort of casual indifference that's, that's kind of sociopathic in its way that it's just allowing quite kind of mass death to take place, basically. Um, that's how I felt really about it. That, um, and um, so it's quite a polemical, quite a lyrical piece. Um, it's on Circa magazine's website actually. Okay. They I wrote an article about it and they they've kindly um featured it on their website as a film so it's it's available to watch online. It, so it's it's me as a voiceover um talking about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, thank you. Um, it's lovely to, to be here and talk to you. Yeah. yeah um, keep in touch with the show and, and with F&I yes. and if we can do anything for you in terms of getting the message out or... Um, That'd be great. Or, or, or name dro- name dropping uh, the the where people can see your work in the future. We're happy yes, to do that'd so. be great. Thank um, you very much. So good luck with the screening tonight. Thank you. Yes. Take care and thanks yeah. so much. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.